already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap good it toss it good it taste it do we love it hey let's fix it can't erase it let's embrace the tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture pushovers pop culture Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And, and we're the Leftovers. Yeah, sure. Why not? We're, uh... <laughs> <laughs> really went for it that time too jeez yeah you did yeah you did <laughs> no we're here today to talk about the uh big announcement uh that uh, james gunn saved till the very last day of january he had a promise in january that he was going to be giving us some of the uh you know the first slate of the new dcu under him and peter saffron and uh waited till the last day he promised you know by the end of january i'm gonna get you some stuff out there and it wasn't like big huge like this big huge marketing thing it wasn't like uh the dc experience or whatever it wasn't a huge convention it was basically like james gunn just recorded himself and threw it out on his different feeds and it started to just blow up i i, I do realize that he did do some interviews with some of the trades and things like that and they were able to ask him some more questions about it, but what he gave to us, the public, and what I've been able to pull from the internet is basically what we're going to be talking about. Um, but I do want to get your guys' reactions. We're going to be going over all the different things and what we can maybe expect from them, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, what we got here. We're also joined by Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to start with you. I mean, I, I don't know how well you followed the DCEU under Zack Snyder when it first debuted back in 2013. And we've had a decade of it, and it's wrapping up this decade. Uh, but if you didn't watch everything involved in that, now you have a chance to start fresh with James Gunn's vision and Peter Safran's vision but uh, yeah, let me know what you thought. I mean, I don't, I really, I don't know your experience 100% with what Snyder did. And, and uh, I want to know where, what you're thinking about where James Gunn and where we are now. And we'll, we'll, we're going to deep dive into everything. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm more caught up than not at this point with the DCU thus far. Um, I eventually saw, uh, Batman's outings and Justice League and, you know, Aquaman and all that. Um, I love Birds of Prey and I love the Suicide Squad. So I feel like I'm in a pretty p good position with this reboot because the things that I like seem to be the things that are mostly continuing or at least the like tone and vibe of those things. Very cool. Because I don't know if we'll really see more Harley, but if we see... Yeah more very colorful movies with excellent soundtracks, then I'll be down. I think it's going to be all over the place. We'll get into it. I think it's going to be all over the place. I think it's going to – I think they're going to have different visions for everything. Joe, what did you think about everything that went down? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about everything that, that he listed off. 
Uh, leading up to this, I was wondering if 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 they were going to go a more traditional route or if he was going to go out there and get weird. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that it's a mixture of both. Uh, there's going to be some stuff in here that's not very familiar to a lot of people and other characters that are that are very familiar. And so it's cool that they're going to be building their base while also kind of exploring the fringes of some of the weird characters because James Gunn has shown that he's very good at dealing with weird French characters and turning him into huge blockbuster characters. So I, I think that, that this is a really exciting announcement. I can't wait to get into the little details of it. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – we got basically chapter one – which he's calling Gods and Monsters. It's uh, it's only going to be part of an eight to ten year plan. And he's promised – this is what's wild. This is what I think is if, – if he can live up to this, what he's mapping out, if he can live up to it, I think it has the potential to be and, – and I know MCU fans are going to think I'm fucking crazy, but just hear me out – it has the potential to be bigger and possibly better than the MCU because he's he's promised a 100% cohesive universe over movies, TV and games. He will not be uh fallen victim to time constraints if they can't get it out and they don't like it and it's not right, they'll push it back is what he's saying. And it looks like right now we're getting two movies and two shows a year. He's got people on board that are helping him with this. Not only is Peter Safran, his partner involved, but he's also got other people involved. I'm going to go over that as well. We got some huge announcements here. And so what we got is considered chapter one, but chapter one is not going to take a whole decade. Uh, so there will be more DCU announcements in the upcoming future months. Uh, he did talk about what is, you know, the differences between the MCU and the upcoming DCU. And I got this from the direct.com. He said in an interview with Gizmodo, DC studio CEO James Gunn talked about the differences between the MCU and DCU. This came after Gunn and Peter Safran revealed the upcoming slate of projects for DCU's chapter one, Gods and Monsters. When asked how the upcoming DCU will differ from the already established MCU, Gunn responded that it really is another universe. He went on to talk about how the MCU is largely set in real world cities, whereas the DCU is truly a fictional universe. Quote, I think that we have a lot of differences. I think that one of the reasons why I love DC is it really is another universe. It's an alternate world. In Marvel, generally, it's New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and then every other place else in the world is a fictional universe for some reason. Here at DCU, we have Metropolis and Gotham and Themyscira and Atlantis, and all of that is sort of another fictional universe. And this is the world that we're creating. Gunn also revealed that he believes the first chapter of the DCU is a lot more planned out than Marvel was when it was releasing its Phase 1 films. Quote, we're coming into a world where superheroes exist and have existed for some time in one form or another, and that's the universe. And so we are telling a big, huge central story, except for I think we're a lot more planned out than Marvel from the beginning because we've gotten a group of writers together to work that story out completely. I'm going to go over those writers here in a moment. But, yes, I love the MCU. I do. Overall, I mean, I haven't been blown away by everything that they've done recently in Phase 4, but I love Marvel. I think Kevin Feige has done a fantastic job of mapping out the world. There are some inconsistencies, but for the most part, it's been a huge fucking success. Uh, it's garnered billions and billions and billions of dollars. And I've come to love a lot of these characters, and I think it's very well done. 
But James Gunn has learned from that. He's learned from the master and he's like, I have a chance here to bring the DCU into something and make it even more cohesive. I can do it over movies, TV shows and games. I can do this. I'm going to make it even more mapped out and more complete than the MCU. That has me excited. Joe, that's a big task. Do you think that do you think Gunn can do it? I think they I think he can. I think he's got enough talent around him that they looked at what works in the MCU, what its weaknesses have been. And it seems like they've come up with a really good plan of attack here. Melissa, I mean, he's got plenty. Of, he's, yeah. he's like Batman. If you give him enough prep time, is James Gunn like Batman with enough prep time? He can do this. <laughs> I, th- I think that's true. I think that. I think that that would be a benefit to anybody who's trying to helm a project like this. And so it just leads me to believe that DC realized that they need to take the time to have a plan. So it's exciting that it is James Gunn. But also I'm just exciting that at like an institutional level, they understand that that's how good movies get made. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, of course, we're still waiting on a lot of like uh, announcements for about actors and directors and stuff like that. We we do have a rumored director for one of the projects. I'm going to go over that here in a little bit. Um, one of the things that I've talked about on previous episodes is like you know like how, where do uh, where does like uh, titles like the Batman and Joker and stuff like that fall in line with everything that they have planned? They're not canceling these things. Are they going to go forward? He did address that. I even said that they needed to label it Elseworlds, and that's what he's doing. Um, we're still getting, you know, the Batman 2. We're still getting Joker 2. And he said that these are going to be referred to as Elseworlds stories. So he's acknowledging that these movies do exist. They just are alternate realities to the DCU. And they – it won't be a part of like the main continuity of DC DCU movies that we're getting. I've said just label them Elseworlds, and that's what they're doing here. And I think it's brilliant. I love it. Absolutely, very smart choice. It, it's worked so well in the comics. It it just makes sense to bring it over into the movies. All right. And I would be upset if I lost my R bats. Over this. <laughs> oh, Battinson. Yeah, we don't want to lose Battinson. I, I I was very pleased with that movie. That movie was freaking awesome. I can't wait yeah. for the sequel. Yeah. So. I love that movie. <laughs> so what are the new announcements? I'm just going to rattle them off here, and then we're going to go over them in a little bit more detail. Uh, we're getting uh, a, a Waller series. Uh, we're getting more Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. If that's going to be a series that's going to be taking place between Peacemaker Seasons 1 and 2. We're getting a Green Lantern series called Lanterns. Uh, we're getting a Swamp Thing movie. We're getting a Supergirl movie. We're also getting a, a Batman and Damien movie. Uh, Damien as Robin in the Brave and the Bold. We're getting a Booster Gold TV series. We're getting a series Paradise Lost, which is going to be a Themyscira-based series. We're getting Creature Commandos on TV. Uh, it looks like we're going to – I think it's a movie, The Authority. Is that a movie, Joe? The Authority? I think it is going to be a movie. And then we're finally – of course, we're getting uh, you know, the crown jewel of DC. We're going to get Superman Legacy. We're going to talk a lot more about these. Uh, but I did want to read this quote from James Gunn on Twitter. Um, this is what he said. He was asked, uh, James, I'm seriously confused. How is Viola Davis still playing Amanda Waller? 
Aren't you rebooting the DCEU 100%? That includes Peacemaker, the whole Suicide Squad, and the Snyderverse. Like you said, Robert Pattinson's Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is Elseworld's story. James Gunn replied, he said, nope. Flash resets many things, not all things. Some characters remain the same. Some do not. That's huge news, guys. Like Dave Bautista was even saying it's a complete reboot. James Gunn is saying that Flash is going to reboot a lot of things, but some characters are going to remain the same and some not. There's, what do you think, Joe? What characters are going to remain the same? I happen to think that Gal Gadot is like very beloved for the most part as Wonder Woman. Uh, I think a lot of people love Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I think he is going to be making the change to Lobo, though. I don't think that that's going to be a holdover. But what about like Harley Quinn as Poison Ivy? We know James Gunn fucking loved working with her. Yeah. He said that like, that's his been, that's his been his, his favorite person to work with so far is Margot Robbie playing Harley, Harley Quinn. I can see her making the making the cut into the DCU. I don't know. This is interesting. I w- that was a, that threw that was a curveball. This sucks for Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that that it's likely they're going to get rid of all like the core Justice League characters and recast all of them. But characters that are more side characters, like like Amanda Waller and and um, John Cena as Peacemaker, I see these ones sticking around because it's they're not core characters. And also, the stuff that they did was really well received. Everybody's loved Viola Davis's performance. Every time she's on the screen as Waller, you absolutely believe, believe that that's who she is. John Cena got fan- performance. <laughs> <laughs> and like John Cena is fantastic as Peacemaker. Um, I, I'm totally fine with this. I'm glad that they found a way to keep some of them. I understand the need to get rid of more of them or, you know, others. Um I loved Henry Cavill as Superman, and I'm bummed out that he's not going to get a chance, but I'm not pinning that on James Gunn and Peter Safran and, and what they're doing moving forward. And the people who are really butthurt about this, I, I don't know, you know, go find the world's smallest violin to play for you. I, I'm not going to be sad that, that John Cena and Viola Davis are sticking around. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. I think that wh- what really leaves a bad taste in my mouth is that Batgirl movie, but that's also not James Gunn's fault. So I'm not mad at this new slate of movies and TV shows we're going to get. I just there is the back of my mind that's like, man, I, I, you know, I'm not cool with DC right now. I want to see that Batgirl movie. Don't quote me on this, but everybody that was uh, an insider that got to watch that Batgirl movie, I'm. They've said that it's pretty unwatchable. I, I don't. I mean, so was a lot of this crap we watched out of DC. Yeah, sure. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, hey, don't shoot, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just I, saying. I did, I did preface this by saying I was mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, at what point do you need to have somebody come in and jerk the wa- the wheel of the car away from running it into a wall? Yeah, and, it, and you know, WB it, was getting in its way a lot with all yes. this stuff and so bringing it all these guys seems in, like a necessary evil it, it, and that's exactly that movie, what it is and i'm trying to get over it <laughs> <laughs> they they had to bring in people that would actually give it a sense of direction and the fact that this crew came in and they brought in a bunch of other very talented writers and they brainstormed it all out and they made a fucking outline and they're like, this is the direction we're going. This is the plan. These are the characters. This is the overarching story. We're going to be able to tell it in all these different mediums. And if they had to get rid of a film that everybody who watched it 
has said, wow, what a flaming turd that was, then I don't need to see Michael Keaton come back as Batman again and have it be in a, a subpar movie. Like that would that would be absolutely terrible. And who knows what it would have done to the brand overall if they'd have released another steaming pile. <laughs> well, and then like what are the chances that you re- let's say Melissa they release that. People hate it. Then what are the chances that we get to see what are the chances that people are going to want to be rushing out to see another Batgirl movie under James Gunn? Do you see what I I'm know. saying? Because look just, at just, look at what the Suicide Squad sucks. did. The first Suicide the first Suicide Squad movie, movie. Hold on, real quick. It was about to come out. Hold on, real quick. The first Suicide Squad movie was garbage, right? And like, did the second one really bring the the crowds out in droves? No, it did not. Well, there was also a pandemic. Sure, but yeah, even the people who used that first one as a reason. Also, I, the amount of people I, I, I heard mean, say, "I didn't like the first one. I'm not going to see the second yes. one." Yes, like oh, it's totally different. The, the the chances of the second one being so much better. We know that James Gunn has high. plans for the Bat Family going forward in this new DCU, and like I think he's kind of learned from the past here that if they put out a subpar Batgirl movie, that it could affect. W- Future, you know, future fans from even going out and seeing the new Batgirl because audiences aren't that savvy. No, no, just casuals. They're just they, they don't understand the differences between this stuff. And, I'm not and saying it was going to have a hard enough time going forward with this whole reboot thing. There's still going to be people who are confused, but at least now yeah. they have the opportunity to put out movies that they've thought it through before doing it they're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks i'm not saying it's the right thing to do and i'm not saying i don't i because i've never seen it it could be a great movie for all i know i'm just saying i'm I'm playing devil's advocate here yeah and my problem is that you did this on the world stage and you fucked over a bunch of people who worked on this movie and i feel like there's a better way to do it and for that reason there's like an asterisk in my love for dc right now (laughs) because i'm not over it I like. I don't think you should let people make a movie and hype it up and talk about it until it's nearly through production, and then be like, "Actually, bye, see ya." It if happens. You're not worried about being a bad movie. Yeah. You could have helped them before we went through all this. Sadly, this stuff happens. You know, it's like you know. We even talked about Edgar Wright. Although the movie wasn't completed, we talked about Edgar Wright doing Ant Man at one time, and he has been working on it for years and years and years. Yeah, there's a reason I don't work in Hollywood. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. <laughs> I still have a, I still have a lot of hope for for uh, for the future. Oh yeah, of the I DCU. do too. I am excited for all of these future projects. I have never sat in the movie theater and seen a Superman movie, and when that happens, I will be thrilled. I hope I feel like a little kid. Uh, there was a Gunn tweeted out that he had spoke um, uh, that though he spoke a great deal about the uh, comic Supergirl, one uh, Woman of Tomorrow. There were other. Uh, multiple other comics that were serving as inspiration for the beginning of the DC of the new DCU, and the four comics that he posted were All Star Superman by Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly, and Jamie Grant, uh, The Authority Omnibus by Warren Ellis, Mark M- Miller, uh, Tom Pierre, Frank Quietly, and Dustin Wynn, and um, Batman by Grant Morrison, Andy Kubert. And Tony Daniel. Oh, also the Absolute Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, Stephen R. Bissett, John T- uh, Totalbin, Rick Veitch, uh, Sean McManus, and Dan Day. And he also has a team of comic book writers that are helping him with the direction of certain characters and projects. And those writers are currently um, 
Oh, uh, Pop Culture Leftovers past guest Tom King. Uh, we've interviewed him. We've interviewed him before on on a bonus episode, but he's been on Batman. He did uh, you know the the visions for Marvel. He's done uh, a ton. Of, he got an exclusive deal with DC. Yeah, um, he wrote super. He wrote Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Yes, so. he did. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Slater, who worked on Moon Knight, Christina Hodson uh, from The Flash, uh, Crystal Henry from Watchmen, and Drew Goddard, who worked on Daredevil. Uh, about Tom King, Gunn said, Tom King has been my partner throughout all of this. He is, he was giving me answers to shit before I took the job. So me, him, Crystal Henry, who worked on Watchmen and is doing Waller, Christina Hodson, who wrote The Flash, Drew Goddard, who you guys know, uh, Jeremy Slater, who just did Moon Knight, that group of people we've been meeting with and, you know, putting all of this together. So he's got, a pretty good like uh, brain trust of people working with him and Saffron and setting up the universe. I know Tom King is either like beloved or controversial with some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, I happen to think he's a, a really, really great writer. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much gun pulls from Tom King um, because he does make some big changes to certain characters. But let's talk about, I want to talk first. I want to talk about this Supergirl project. Uh, when talking about the upcoming Supergirl focused film titled Supergirl Wonder of Tomorrow, is it Wonder of Tomorrow? Woman of Tomorrow. Woman of Tomorrow. Yeah. Gun quoted to his DC, Gun quoted to DC.com. This is based on Tom King and Bilkus e, uh, Evely's wonderful comic. Tom has been one of the architect, architects of this entire situation. He's been one of the guys in the room with us. Along with four or five others, I love his take on these characters. He just turns them slightly to be something very unique. He went on to talk about their story, which is different than the comics version of the character. In our story, we have Superman who was sent to Earth and raised by incredibly loving parents. Kara was on Krypton. She was on a piece of Krypton that drifted away from the planet. And she lived there for the first 14 years of her life in a horrible situation where she watched everyone around her die. So she's much a much harsher and more fucked up Supergirl than you've been used to thus far. And um, it's uh, taking cues from the recent Tom King written miniseries. The movie project promises to have a different take um, than uh, what most think of when uh, of the idea of Superman's cousin comes to mind. Quote, we will see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton, and who watched... Yeah. So, as far as the comic series goes, I don't know how much they're going to be pulling from it. But it's a very cosmic story. It's not Earth-based at all. And you've got you've got a Supergirl here who's basically – she's been dealing with being in the shadow of Superman. And she just – she really is going through like an existential crisis in a lot of ways. And she goes – she finds a red sun, which the red sun depowers her. And once she's depowered, she just goes to a planet and goes to a bar and starts drinking. She's like she she drinks and cusses like a sailor. It's her twenty first birthday at the at the open of the of the book. Yeah, this all sounds amazing to me, <laughs> dude. It's it's controversial it's kind of a lone though. Wolf and 
it's kind of a lone wolf and cub story so it far is. too. I just started reading it. I'm a couple issues in yeah. to the mini series so far, and I'm really, really liking it. Yeah, it's it, she finds a a, a a young girl whose loved ones were killed. Is it is her name Rayi, Ruthie? Uh, I, I was pronouncing it Ruthie, but who knows? It's Ruth with Y E at the end. Yeah, Ruth Ye. Um, and uh, and it's a it's a, a a guy going around killing. Basically, uh, Krem is the villain in that one. It kind of reminded me of like Gore, the way this guy goes around and just like. Yeah, well, this guy killed Ruthie's dad, and so Ruthie is wanting revenge on this guy, and so she's going around her planet trying to hire a strong warrior to go and kill the guy, and while she's in this bar, she meets Supergirl while Supergirl's in there celebrating her 21st birthday, and the girl's kind of getting rolled by this big thug, and then Supergirl handles it, and then this girl just decides that, no, Supergirl's the one that's going to help me and just starts following her. To the point where Supergirl's kind of forced to take her in and, and start helping her. And so it feels like it's a lone wolf and cub story, which has been playing out really strong in other shows right now. Um, but yeah, it's a cosmic story and it's it's definitely a very gruff Supergirl. Dude, for the first issue, she put off a very strong like Red Sonia feel with like her personality. And I was like, oh, I could get into this book. Yeah. And it's it's really, really excellent so far. Highly recommend anybody picking it up. It's it's a mini series, so it's a self-contained trade, and it's it's considered canon. Here's the thing: it's it, Joe. It's very, it's it's not the Supergirl you're used to, and so if you're a, like if you're like an old school Supergirl fan, it's gonna be a lot different. There's a there's a lot of people that have a lot of problems with it, which is <laughs> see, and, and this is like maybe the first Supergirl book I've ever read, so I'm coming into it without any of this previous expectation of what the character is gonna be like. She's I've only ever read her as just a periphery a peripheral character in other stories. Yeah. Yeah, see but the, see that's the thing. It's like once you get this if they bring this version of Supergirl to the screen old fans are gonna be instantly like pissed off. I'm just I'm just I'm just letting them know because, you know, they're going to the gate. The, the, <laughs> listen, the gatekeepers. No, no the, you're making a good point. The, I am making a great point. The gatekeepers of Supergirl are going to be very upset with this. And and this is going to come down on gun because, you know, this is not the version of Supergirl they're going to want to see. This does sound very much like a Supergirl, a version of Supergirl that gun would want to adapt. So with this movie, if they are going that route. I think they're off to a – it's going to be a rough start from the beginning with this version of Supergirl. I don't see them – and I don't see them pulling the actor that's going to be playing her in The Flash, the Sasha Cowley. I I think we're going to get a different version of Supergirl in that one. This is going to be – and I don't know if they're going to go even with this story, Joe. I have no idea if they're going to go with this story or if, if – I think at the end of the day, it might just be a Supergirl that's dealing with being in the shadow – of her cousin and they might change the story altogether. I really don't know how they plan on doing this one, but if, if they do make her drastically different than the comic, it's immediately going to isolate some of the viewing audience. I'm just letting you (laughs) know. No, that's, that's very true. It's a very valid point. I also feel like no matter what they do, there's going to be a, a vocal minority of DC gatekeepers out there that are hating. If Tom King's working closely with him, it's going to be something that I think a lot of 
like hardcore Supergirl fans are not going to be a fan of. <laughs> I, I think I'm really excited like- to get some DC fandom hating on like something different for once. <laughs> Uh, I want I see here's the thing no I want I I would love to see like a movie come like the first movie they're doing Superman Legacy which we're going to talk about next I just want a movie that'll bring people together for crying out loud you know like I felt like I I felt like after Star Wars was Star Wars was gone for so long and then we get a new uh, uh, the the Force Awakens and I feel like a lot of people were just like, I'm on board for Star Wars again, you know? And it's like, that was a great feeling to see like a majority of Star Wars fans back on board. And that's what I want to see here. So I'm really, I'm excited. I think it, it has, it's a cool premise, but I don't, <laughs> it could be divisive. I'm sick of divisive DC movies, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I, a I fair think, take. I think that's fair. Like, I'm joking about it, but it's also because I'm not very deep into that fandom. So none of this actually really affects my day to day life. But it is I have been in the midst of, you know, angry, toxic fandoms, and it is not a great place to be. So I think that DC deserves to have a nice movie that everyone loves. We need several it. of them if they can. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just like, too jaded to think that a universally loved DC movie can exist at this point. <laughs> I think no matter what, there's going to be people out there that are that are pissing and moaning about it. But but to actually lean in that direction and be like, we're intentionally going to go and adapt source material that was controversial. Yeah, that that could be a risky move. But maybe that's why it's not going to be one of the first ones they roll out. Yeah, and I know there's outliers, but for the last year, two years, it has kind of felt like all of the really big movies to come out, people did generally like for the most part. I Like Dune, The Batman, Matrix Resurrections, like those movies came out and it seemed like people were like, yeah, good movie. I liked that. And that was a fun time. So hopefully we can keep it going with the blockbusters. Everybody <laughs> loves Maverick. <laughs> I don't know what Matrix crowd you're running around. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> That movie was garbage. That movie was trash. Oh, it was so bad. (laughs) But I'm glad that you liked it. it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Everybody needs a thing. If that's your thing, then that's cool. There's going to be a lot of it for you. I suppose it's... (laughs) There's not going to be too many people coming in trying to take that from you. Yeah. Uh, Superman Legacy. This is actually going to be uh, the first of uh, of the movies that are going to be that are going to be rolling out. Um, and uh, what did he talk about here? Yeah, Gunn has said that this is going to be the true beginning of the DCU. Superman Legacy, according to the Hollywood Reporter, the the movie featuring the Man of Steel that Gunn is writing and may direct. Although no commitments on that end have been made, while the two previous titles are meant to be uh, aperitifs in uh, Saffron's words, Superman is the true kickoff to the duo's DC plans. It's not an origin story. Uh, It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is the kindness in a world that thinks that kindness is is uh old fashioned and there's a release date of Ju- July 11th 2025 that's been penciled in um I do want to say that 
Um, and this is based on what is it? The the Grant Morrison comic, which was was it that uh, was that the All Star Superman? Yeah, All Star Superman. That's what he threw out there. I don't know if I don't know how this could be based on that. Wasn't that like an anthology of stories from a bunch of different writers? I don't know. I've I've never read that one. It's it popped up on my radar after this, and I've got it on my comicsology list to eventually read it. Yeah, I think I, from what I think it was like Superman going around and performing like miracles around the world, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I definitely like the idea that that it's not going to be an origin story that they're just bringing it in and and we're showing Clark wrestling with this feeling of this is the way I was raised to be. And I'm in a world where people don't feel like that, but then this is his opportunity to be that example of, of what people can strive to be. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's going to be an interconnected universe, I'm I'm really interested to see where this is going to go. I'm just very excited to see another live action Superman. I'm very excited for casting news on this as well. It does sound like James Gunn will be directing, which that will be interesting to to see what sort of tone this movie ends up coming out with. Um, but I, I think that this is pretty great news. Yeah, this is going to kick it off. Legacy. In, interesting title. Um, I kept... Is this the first casting we'll get to? Probably. It'll be probably one of them, I would imagine. <sighs> Legacy. It's an interesting title. I, I kept thinking to myself since we're going to be talking about the the Batman Brave and the Bold next, and we do know that Damien's going to be introduced. Talked about that earlier, but I cannot see them not introducing Jonathan Kent now. If we're getting Damien, I think we're going to get Jonathan. I wonder if the the timing of that has had me scratching my head with this. That they're giving us a younger Superman, but they're also going to be giving us a Batman that's deep enough into his career that he has a, what, 11, 12-year-old son? Mm-hmm. So that means it's very far into Batman's career. But if it's not a beginning for Superman's career, too, just how far into Superman's career is it? How far in, in – how far – how long do you have to do something before you can start talking about legacy? Well, I keep thinking to myself with, like, maybe the comic, I think it was like – Showing all these different – I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look it up. I, I just think that – I think with Legacy, we're going to see moments in his life where he's doing things. And it might catch us up to like the current – where Batman is with the Brave and the Bold. So it might be like going over – it might be spanning maybe a couple decades, Joe. I don't know. And then get us to the point where we could have a Jonathan Kent in the universe that would meet up with, with Damien. I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- it just it that just makes more sense for there to be John. If there's going to be Damon for us to get for us to get Jonathan, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it absolutely does. Give us some of that Super Sons action. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my my wild theory is that by the end of Superman Legacy and by the end of uh, the Brave and the Bold, that both Superman and Batman are dead, and we're left with. The sons and they'll come back. Like, I'm not saying that they won't come back because they always do in the comics, like whether it's a Lazarus pit for Batman and who knows what it is for Superman. But, you know, that's just my wild theory. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that'd be risky right out the gate, killing those characters. <laughs> Especially <Yeah>. Superman. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, they did that in Batman v Superman, and that went off so well. Yeah, yeah, so, I know. It would be a bold swing, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking I, – I wonder who the villain's going to be in Superman Legacy. I wonder who they're going to be casting. I mean, I have no idea, but – um, this is James Gunn's baby. He's probably going to direct it. So, uh, we'll just, we'll just wait with bated breath. Uh, the Brave and the Bold, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, according to Gunn, this film will mark the beginning of the Bat family in the DCU. Uh, the Brave and the Bold, this is the introduction of the DCU Batman, said Gunn, of Bruce Wayne, and also introduces our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who is a little son of a bitch. Uh, the movie will take inspiration from the now classic Batman run by Grant Morrison that introduced Batman to a son he never knew existed, a murderous tween raised by assassins. Quote, it's a very strange father and son story. So basically in the comics, um, Damien did become Robin. He first was raised by his mother, Talia Agul. And started out as a villain of Batman who had a grudge against his father. And Damien finally, he basically ended up on Batman's side. Um, and so I don't know if that's the story that we're going to get here or if we're just going to see these two working together from the get go. Uh, but in, in, in the stories, uh, Bruce died saving the world from Darkseid. Gotham didn't have a Batman, and so Dick Grayson, who is Nightwing, took on the mantle of Batman, and Damien served as the new Robin under him. And that's one of the things that I've always loved in the comics was the relationship between Nightwing and Damien. Uh, it's one of the best relationships. They are always like at odds with one another. Um, there are times when they do get along, but... For the most part, it's always been a competition. And that's one thing that I would love to see in this. So uh, this is another I'm excited to see Damian Wayne on the screen for the first time. But I'm also kind of like it's a head scratcher as to like what direction they're going to take this. Absolutely. And I also want to know at what. How big is the Bat family at this point? Because it was fairly well established by the time Damian came along. I mean, there'd there'd already been three other there'd already been three Robins at that point in the main continuity. Yeah. And they were all part of the Bat family eventually. And so I'm really curious. We're going to get that. I know when Tom King was writing uh, Batman for the the Rebirth books, um, there was a a full Bat family in a lot of those books. And he wrote them excellently. And this is this is one of those titles that I'm really excited to see how it's all going to flush out. Where is it going to be in Batman's career? Because it feels like it should be at least 15 plus years into him being Batman. But before before uh, Damien would come into his life, because he has to have himself established as like a really strong crime fighter just to even gain the respect of Ra's al Ghul. And then that puts him on Talia's radar and then she seduces him and, and gets pregnant with this son that he doesn't find out about until over a decade later. Yeah. And so that's just a lot of time of him being the crepe, the caped crusader the before that happens. And there's a whole lot of Bat family that gets developed in that time. And so personally, I would be cool with them just jumping in and giving us a Bat family. I'm just curious how it'll play 
on on audiences that haven't read a shit ton of Batman books and, and are familiar with how these characters are connected and what the dynamics are between them. I'm curious as to like the casting of Damian Wayne too. Like who are they gonna get? Right? Dude, I always wanted the the time traveling kid from the Umbrella Academy to play Damian Wayne. Oh, that's a good one. Five? Yeah, five. Might be a little too old yes. now. I though. love that kid. AD He's Delker. probably too old now. Yeah. You know, he was my dream casting when the first season of Umbrella Academy came out. I was like, dude, this kid has it. He can go toe to toe with these adults. He's already got this arrogance. I'm better than you. I can do this without your help attitude. That's perfect for Damian Wayne. The way that James Gunn described him is a little son of a bitch. It's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> He's like <laughs> a fucking like. He's somewhere in the age between like 10 and 12 is how I always think of Damien. But he's very, very capable and he's very aware of the fact that he's more capable than most adults around him. What about the kid, the young kid from the Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds? Ooh, that'd be a good one. That kid's got some chops. Yeah. Well, he can definitely be a little son of a bitch. We know that. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I I, that's going to... Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for that title, uh, though that movie. Just Damian Wayne on the fucking screen. I'm super excited for that. I don't think we've ever seen a live action Damian Wayne no. even in like Titans and stuff uh-uh. like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the next one I want to go over is The Authority. Uh, it's a movie based on a team of superheroes uh, with rather extreme methods of protecting the planet that first originated in the late 1990s. Under an influential imprint known as Wildstorm that was run by artist and now head of DC Publishing, Jim Lee, uh, Gunn said, one of the things of the DCU is that it's not just a story of heroes and villains. Not every film and TV show is going to be about good guy versus bad guy, giant things from the sky comes and good guy wins. There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats, added Saffron. Uh, They're kind of like Jack Nicholson and a few good men. They know what you want them on the wall. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. So the authority was first introduced in 1999. I, I think that I think James Gunn has been watching the boys and he sees hmm. how, how what a what a what a great series that has turned out to be for Amazon Prime. And this is his answer to the boys. And I think that this is going to be an R rated film. I don't see any other way to do oh, the authority without a doubt. And this was originally part of DC's Wildstorm imprint. Uh, most of these characters came from the Stormwatch comic. And then Warren Ellis, the, the book was just not selling. And, and Warren Ellis took over the book. And at that point, he, he killed off the characters that he didn't create in an, uh, in a, in a, in an event. It was a crossover. It was Stormwatch versus aliens. And yes, I'm talking about the xenomorphs from the alien films. Excellent. And the aliens killed off most of the characters that he didn't create. And so what was left of the Stormwatch team became the authority. And so the authority is basically like this combination of characters that were inspired by the Avengers and the Justice League. And there's like seven of them. Um, the big two are going to be Apollo and Midnighter. So it's they're basically Superman and Batman, but they're a committed gay couple. They're awesome. Uh, they're, they're incredible in the comics. Um, I uh, later on, uh, one of the most recent comics that came out was uh, Superman and the Authority. And James Gunn has teased that some of the bigger characters are going to show up in some of this stuff. I think that Superman will possibly show up and have a connection with the Authority. 
like he did in the comics. We'll find that out. Another character is Swift, and she's like a hawk girl character. She's a warrior. She has wings. There's a uh, Doctor Strange-like character called the Doctor. Um, the Engineer, who's basically – it's like this female tech wizard, and she's made of metal. Um and then uh, Jack Hawksmore, uh, this guy drew his powers uh, from uh, the energy of cities. And then their leader is Jenny Sparks, who's basically like a combination of Captain Britain meets Electro. She's got like electricity powers. They have a, a ship called the Carrier, and the Carrier travels through what's called the Bleed. And that allows them to travel through the red space that separates alternate universes. So... Um, yeah, <laughs> this is, I think it's going to be R rated and I think it's going to be fucking wild. And this definitely sounds like something James Gunn is a fan of and wants to bring to the big screen. And I feel like it's James Gunn, his answer to the boys, which basically like the authority was kind of like the blueprint for, you know, a lot of these writers that are doing what they've done. Um, like the boys, and then like what's the other one? Uh, the Me- Ultimates. The Ultimates. Megalopolis. Is it Metro? I can't get. But anyway, a lot of these stories where they take these uh, characters that are like team members for the Justice League and Avengers, and they just have them live in a darker, grittier world. And I think James Gunn is going to have a lot of fun with this. I don't know if he's going to be directing it or whatever, but this definitely sounds like a James Gunn project. Oh, without a doubt. This is this is that gang of weird misfits. And to be able to go for really hard stuff to this could be I think it's going to be rated R as well. Uh, I've not read the original books. They're also on my list. Uh, but what I did read was in 2017, Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt had a 24 issue run that was a reimagining of that universe. And it was called The Wild Storm. And it was four six issue arcs that all. Uh, drew together into one larger arc. I've read it the entire 24 issue run several times. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, so I'm not familiar with what the original storylines were, but I'm very familiar with a lot of the characters. And man, it's at least the Wildstorm is fucking excellent. It was it was so good. And so I'm very excited to see this movie. And 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 I'm just glad that I'm glad that DC's willing to go this hard on stuff. And I really do hope that that they do pull out all the stops and make this a rated R movie and and lean into it and give us some good stuff that could maybe compete with the boys. Yeah, Melissa, I know you're a fan of the boys. Uh, the Authority, does this have you excited as a as a project, an upcoming project? Yeah, I th- I think it'll be fun. Um, anything that gets like your superheroes in R-rated situations is kind of fun for me just on that premise alone because I do feel like I'm getting away with something. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, uh, I am looking forward to that big time. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Swamp Thing. Gunn has announced an origin story for Swamp Thing, which um, it's going to be uh, more like a horror film. Uh, it's based on uh, based on Gunn's video. The film won't be a part of the rest of the DCU. However, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. What does that mean? What does that mean? And what does that mean for the rest of the Elseworld stories? I, I wonder if it means that it's... I mean, is he straight up saying that this is an Elseworlds, Elseworlds story? Or is he just saying this doesn't fit in with the rest of it, but it does kind of connect to it? I think the latter, Joe. That's what I thought as well. 
and and so that I could, it could kind of make sense. It all depends on what their big like overlaying story that connects all these things together is, and and how does it connect with the green? I th- and yes, yeah, you know because so there's I mean, like the green is three a, is a, layers of projects. What's that? Main DC, like there's three layers. So main DCU, Elseworld, and then some things in the middle. If we, no, I <laughs> if we like aspects is, of this. I think this is part of the main storyline. It's just that you're not going to see like Superman and stuff showing up in a Swamp Thing story. And also with him saying that the tone on this with it being a horror is is so drastically different from the rest of it that he's saying that this ties in, but it doesn't like tie in is like the, you're going to see like other characters crossing over into it. Um, Swamp Man's power with Swamp having Thing. access to the did I say Swamp Man? You did. <laughs> wrong with me? Swamp Thing's power allows him to connect with the green so he's connected to every living piece of plant life on the planet. Yeah and there's and so, okay. there's basically no way to kill him unless you destroy the planet like. <laughs> exactly. He's very very powerful. He's basically immortal so and so depending on what sort of threat that they have coming in, that it's something that Superman's going to have to be dealing with. It's something that I'd imagine the the Green Lanterns in that series are going to be discovering. So it's like just how deep is this thing? What is it? What is the overlaying threat? And and how does it tie into the green is where it leads me to think. Do you think that they're going to be going with like the Len Wein origin or do you think – I think they're going to be going with Alan Moore personally. That's what, I think they're going with the Alan Moore route. So basically you've got a scientist, Alec Holland, who uh, created like – he was working in a lab and then there was like a, an explosion and he gets splattered with chemicals, runs out into the swamp and from there like – the swamp merged with his body and like for the most for for the like the beginning of the character it was alec holland adjusting to his powers and being swamp thing and it was a lot of like robocop too where you know he was in a relationship with someone and then goes back to that woman and she he can't communicate with her and she views him as a monster and so like just like in robocop so but Alan Moore comes along, takes the character, and the man, basically Alec Holland, is gone. And the, the the swamp, the green, takes over the body of Alec Holland and now has to basically – it just takes on the shape of a man. And so it's basically like this uh, um, earth deity taking over the form of a man and then learning how to, to cope with – being this uh, man plant deity that can control <laughs> all of plant life and is virtually immortal, has super strength. And um, it's – I think that's where they're going to go with it, Joe. I just – I mean are we dealing with the same – are we dealing with like his villain Arcane? What are we, what are we doing here in Swamp Thing? Is it going to be a lot of body horror you think it would have to be a lot of body horror yeah. in it. And I hadn't even considered a villain yet. I mean, cause, cause just doing, just doing the whole concept of swamp thing, depending on how you do it, I could, I mean, there's, there's great horror overtones in that. And so it's like, what, what you might not even have to reach that far to give him a villain. Yeah. I don't know. This is one that I'm I'm very excited about, but I'm also very curious to see what direction it's going to go and how they're going to present it. Yeah. Yeah. 
THR is saying that James Mangold is in talks to direct Swamp Thing. So uh, the director of uh, Logan, the director of Ford v. Ferrari, the director of the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. That's the guy they've got on their radar, apparently, according to THR, to direct the Swamp Thing movie. Hmm. I like his stuff, so it'll be interesting. I, I think I might have been more excited if they said James Wan was directing, but um, I, I like a lot of what James Mangold has done, and so I'm I'm interested to see what he's going to do. Let me do one. Let me do you one better than James Wan, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> oh, dude, that was yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, the it, guy it was take any thought to say yes to that. The guy was once attached to do a Justice League dark film for crying out loud, like. Come oh, on. God, that'd have been so good. It was in the talks, man. Come on. Like, it's like James Gunn. I mean, I know Del Toro is doing his Pinocchio, and his Pinocchio was great, and I know he's got other things probably planned. But my God, if they can get this set up to where we can get that fucking uh, Guillermo del Toro Justice League Dark, if they start introducing characters like, you know, Constantine and Animal Man and Zatanna. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, come Dude, on. My, my, my thoughts immediately went to Constantine as well. Yes. And I was thinking – because Justice League Dark characters would be the best ones to actually show up in a Swamp Man pro- – I said it again. Swamp <laughs> Thing property. I want you to get on Twitter and correct James Gunn and be like, he's called Swamp Man. Come on. <laughs> it's certainly Swamp Man. <laughs> There's no way I was wrong twice on PCL. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's like the Berenstein Berenstein Mandela effect, Joe. No shit. Oh, my God. I'm going to get myself a tack hammer and hit myself in the head with it if I say it again. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, I've watched the Swamp Thing movies when I was a kid. I've read the Alan Moore stuff. I didn't read a lot of the new stuff coming out of, like, the new 52. Um, I hear that some of it's pretty good, though. Um and I, I, I did watch the cartoon as a kid. <laughs> it was, I, I think it maybe ran a couple seasons, but uh, I did watch some of the cartoon when I was a kid. And I've always enjoyed the character Swamp Thing. Um, and this is supposedly going to be the, uh, uh, it's going to close out the first part of this first chapter, uh, Swamp Thing. So, man, these, these, oh, anou- that's cool. these announcements are all over the place, aren't they, Joe? It is. I didn't know Swamp Thing was going to be a bookend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really exciting, then. Yeah. It's going to be a horror, it's going to be a bookend, and it's not going to be super connected, but it's still connected to the, the, the larger story. Yeah, the quote is, feed into the rest of the stories. Like, how? It's, yeah, I just, I, <laughs> you know, we know that James Gunn likes his Easter eggs, right? Yeah. He loves his Easter eggs. Come on. I mean, you know, so I think we'll probably get some Swamp Thing Easter eggs, possibly in other projects. Yeah, I I can only imagine that there's some sort of threat to the green and that's what's going to carry him in somehow. Mm -hmm. Because I have read comics where that's – fuck, I think it might have even been a Justice League Dark where that worked really well where Constantine baited Swamp Thing into getting involved. And it turned the tides. Oh, man, if this can give us a fucking animal man, I would I would be happy. Have you ever have you ever read the Jeff Lemire Animal Man? No, it's it's one of the greatest things to come out of the new 52. This guy has like the abilities of like all these different animals. It's it's pretty fucking incredible. I think you'd love it, Joe. OK, yeah, I don't even yeah. know if I've ever heard of it. Yeah. Um. 
Uh, let's talk about uh, Melissa. Do you have any thoughts on Swamp Thing? Um, isn't that that show that got canceled before it was even done with its first season? <laughs> yes, DC Universe. They, they played. So it. I had like a vague memory of that happening, and so I chuckled a little bit when I saw that this was in the announcements. Like, oh, going back to that, <laughs> we didn't even make it through one season. <laughs> they 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 aired the whole season, but like it was. You're right. After the first episode, they canceled it. Once they canceled it, I didn't even go back and watch any more of it. Why would you? Yeah, same. <laughs> I didn't even start it as a result. I watched Wasn't the first James episode. Wasn't James Gunn attached to that one? <laughs> oh, I don't know. James Wan might have been. I'm not sure. I hope that James Gunn gets to be in charge of his own PR for this whole project. Yeah, he certainly saved their marketing budget the way that he dropped this in like a selfie video. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if like one of his TV shows has to get canceled, I don't think he would let them tell you after the first episode airs. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's learn from the past, people. Uh, Creature Commandos. Uh, this is an animated seven-episode series written by Gunn that is already in production. Uh, originally, a team of classic monsters assembled to fight Nazis. Uh, this is a modern take on the concept. The voice actors have yet to be cast, but the executives are looking to find people who can voice the animated characters and also portray the live action versions when the anti-heroes uh, show up in movies and shows. So, yeah, there's going to be live action versions of these characters that will show up later on. This goes back to that cohesive universe of uh, shows, TV, uh, TV shows. Um, animated or live action, uh, gaming and, and movies. Yeah, this is the one that I know the least about as well. I've, I've just looking at the poster. It seems like Weasel is going to be in it. There's an animated character on the mm -hmm. poster that looked a lot like Weasel. He was asked about that. Somebody said, uh, "Could we get like a? Could we get more Weasel?" I think they said like a Weasel talk show, and he said. Um, <laughs> He said, don't worry about that. He said, he, said, he said something like, I think we got you covered. So I think Weasel probably <laughs> will show up in this, Joe. Yeah. And DC Animation's usually good. So I'm going to give this one the benefit of the doubt, even though I know nothing about this one. Come on. <laughs> Classic monsters fighting Nazis? Oh, that sounds fun as hell. This will be a modern... I'm just saying I don't have any connection to any source material yeah. or anything with this. Now, it won't be Nazis, but it'll be a group probably like... A modern take on Nazis or something, right? So, <laughs> Nazi flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Creature Commandos animated seven episode series should be fun. Hopefully, it'll be kind of like getting the TVMA treatment. Yeah, exactly. It, because, like, what they've been doing with Harley Quinn is so great that if they can do this in that same vein, then the, at least they, they know that there's already an audience out there that likes that stuff. Uh, let's see here. Lanterns. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Greg Berlanti's long in the works Green Lanterns TV series has been scrapped. Uh, in its place will be a new take on the space cops with power rings. Quote, Safran, this is what Safran said. Our vision for this is very much in the vein of True Detective. It's terrestrial based. Uh, it will feature prominent Lantern heroes, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, and is one of the most important shows they have in development. Quote, this plays a really big role in leading into the main story we are telling across film and TV. 
Uh, dude, I'm excited about this one. Um, we've been going back and forth a long time about which lantern are you going to get? Would you get Al Jordan? Would you get John Stewart? And the fact that we're going to get both of them working together, I feel like this is just the best of both worlds. And uh, I've I've not talked to anybody who isn't high on the first season of True Detective. So saying it's going to be like that um, certainly, you know, should gain uh, some people's interest on this. Um, the the one thing about it is they're saying it's going to be a terrestrial show so that means it's going to be green lanterns but it sounds like there's not going to be too much stuff in space it's going to be them looking into whatever is going on in earth that is going to tie into this larger threat so it it feels like they're going to be yeah they're going to be finding out what this thing is and and starting to dig into it and if it's going to be like the first season of true detective then that means there's definitely going to be some sinister overtones in whatever they're investigating Makes you want, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm split on this one, Joe. I'm not going to say I'm 100 percent excited, and I'm not 100 percent against it. Um, it plays a big role in leading into the main story we were telling across film and TV. So, the main story of the MCU, they were telling like we saw a lot of things happen, and it led up to like a battle with Thanos for Infinity War and Endgame, right? So, like this is going to be not only them uncovering. Like, I think this will be kind of like maybe them uncovering like who, like the main villain of like this first phase of the new DCU is going to be, Joe? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I think. I think that this is going to be giving that trail of breadcrumbs to show who that villain's going to be. Yeah. I, I, I am a little upset, though, that it's not going to be a hundred like uh, a Green Lantern movie and 100 percent cosmic based. God, do you think they're going to go with Apocalypse and Darkseid right off the bat? And and maybe they're going to be finding evidence of, of I don't know, maybe parademon activity or mm. or any of any of Darkseid's lieutenants or something like that that are operating on Earth. You'd have to hold on to that for quite a few episodes, wouldn't you? Otherwise, you know what I mean. I wonder if it'll be like a last episode thing where we finally find that out. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's a chance. There's a I chance. Mean, yeah, but there would be less resolution than I think people like in their TV shows. Yeah, but if unless this is just it's like, oh, here's the person who is doing this thing, but oh, da da da, they're connected to some bigger, badder thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can still have resolution that these guys finally get an inkling of what they're going after, and it ends up being something much, much bigger than they expected. And that's what plays into the rest of this interconnected universe. Darkseid and, and his minions would be a really big threat for that. Yeah. Huh. I hadn't considered Darkseid and the Parademons. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. I'm not 100% sold on it, though, though Joe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just excited to get another Green Lantern something in in live action. This is the the chance that they have to redeem it. Everybody, yeah. everybody on this creative team, I'm a hundred percent positive understands that they are redeeming a character that failed the first time around in live action. Yeah. So everybody knows the stakes of what's going on with this, and and I feel like it shows in the fact that they're like, we're going to bring in Hal Jordan and John Stewart for this. We're going to bring in two of the most popular Green Lanterns. 
from the Earth sector, and we're going to have them working together as detectives. Um, the, but it's it does con- the the terrestrial based one does concern me a little bit. Is because when I think Green Lanterns, I I I do think stuff that pulls in a lot of outer space shit, and it sounds like they're telling us right off the bat that that's not what this show is going to be. So they're going to have to have a really good mystery here because if it's a detective show, detective shows are built on the mystery, and they got to have a good mystery. And if it's tying into something that's going to tie in, or if it's leading into something that's going to tie into the overall story, then that means that they're really onto something big. Yeah, it's like no Sinestro. I, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, because at this point, Sinestro and all that should be an established villain. Yeah. If it's far enough along that John Stewart's in play also. Yeah, this is a big swing. It's a big swing. We'll see. I, I You know, hey, either keep it either keep it Earth based or cosmic 100 percent you know so i'm i'm happy that they've chosen one because i think like that was one of the biggest problems that i felt like just one of the problems of the green lantern movie is like you know he's on they earth to do both then he goes to space for a moment now he's back on earth yeah they try to do both you know and it's like and but what my biggest problems with like the fantastic four movies is that it's it's earth and it, it wasn't cosmic stuff and so, and I want to see that Fantastic Four team be a cosmic team, you know. Um, yes, Fantastic Four needs to be cosmic. Yeah, but I understand with like maybe budget restriction, uh, budget restrictions on a TV show that that's why they're doing it this way. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Is that yeah. will the budget be there if it's a TV show to give us the space stuff and have it do it justice? Mm-hmm. Whereas introduce us to the characters, get us attached to them and this sort of stuff that's going to have a little bit lower of a budget. And then maybe in the future, once the story gets big enough and they can put them in a, in a picture, then that's when when we get that bigger budget and they can really do the CGI to make the space stuff pop. If they can do a really good mystery and have us coming back every week and give us more clues and have people speculating. I mean, this could be a really fun show for people to have like that water cooler talk of like oh my gosh you know did you watch lanterns what do you think theory people theorizing on reddit this could be like another show where people are just like you know theorizing every week kind of like taking us back to like westworld season one or something like that where oh, people, absolutely yeah i would love that that's like my favorite kind of tv that is fun tv i i agree with you so i'm gonna i'll give this a chance i just it, 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 it's a it's a big swing. Paradise Lost. Uh, the duo describes this HBO Max series as a Game of Thrones style drama set on the all female island that is Wonder Woman's birthplace, Themyscira, filled with political intrigue and scheming between power players. Uh, it takes place before the events of the Wonder Woman films. So there have been no Wonder Woman films announced yet. So of course. This would have to uh, take place before that. Um, yeah, Paradise Lost. Joe, is is this based on any comic series that we know of? Do you know? Not that I know of. Um, I'm very excited about the premise of this, though. Um, maybe it's a little cliche to compare something to Game of Thrones at this point because so many things have been compared to, to Game of Thrones. But the good news is this is a, a company comparing it to Game of Thrones when they're the ones who did Game of Thrones. So – that that gives me some hope. I also think that the beginning of Wonder Woman uh, eighty four 
that opening scene that took place on Themyscira was the best part of that movie. So if you are going to make a series about Wonder Woman, this is the best place to set it. And and saying that it's going to be now when they say it's going to be Game of Thrones, does that mean it's going to be hardcore like Game of Thrones? It's going to be like, I don't see this being like TVMA, but how do you compare something to Game of Thrones if it doesn't go that hard? Mm-hmm. This could be our scissoring, Brian. <laughs> Stop it. guaranteed to be no limp dicks in any shots on this show there there was a there was a wonder woman uh comic series called uh wonder woman paradise lost oh shit i never read that one i didn't either i don't think that's the route there batman has a lot to do with that one so if this is based on, well, focusing on the founding of Themyscira, is the Game of Thrones about, like, there's, like, multiple factions? Like, who's going to ultimately be the leader of this paradise? There, there was, like, a... Let me try to, there was... You've got the different gods, and then there was one god that I think... Oh God! Uh, there's one god that basically granted the the women of this island powers, um, and the other gods did have a problem with giving them that kind of power. I, I can't remember the comic mm-hmm. book series. I think it was. Let me pause here real quick. All right. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a comic by uh, Kelly Sudakonic and uh, Phil Jimenez. And uh, this is from – I'm just reading this off of DC's website. Uh, the wait is over and the entire story of the Amazons can finally be told. Millennia ago, Queen Hera and the goddesses of the Olympian pantheon grew greatly dissatisfied with their male counterparts. And far from their sight, they put a plan into action. A new society was born, one never before seen on Earth, capable of wondrous and terrible things. But their existence could not uh, stay secret for long when a despairing woman – named uh, Hippolyta across the Amazon's path, a series of events we set in motion that would lead to an outright war in heaven and create and the creation of the, of the earth's greatest guardian. So this is like the pre story of wonder woman and like the birth of Themyscira. So I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to see that ex- kind of happen here, but maybe we're going to see like the effects of like what happens when like, you know, uh, one of these, one of these goddesses, um, creates Themyscira and, and we're going to see like the early days of this new all female society on this island. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and, and also, Melissa, I think you're right that it is going to be more political intrigue based. I, I think that's where the comparison to Game of Thrones is going to be coming in. That, that there's going to be a lot of power plays going on and a lot of plotting behind the scenes type stuff. So we'll wait to hear more information about that as it comes out. Of course, we're getting the Waller series uh, with Viola Davis returning. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I love Viola Davis as Waller. And that's going to be the spinoff of uh, James Gunn's. Uh, series Peacemaker. And then finally, they said that we're going to be getting a Booster Gold HBO Max series. 
Um, and uh, it's going to be about uh, Booster, Bo- Booster Gold. Uh, Saffron said of the series, it's about a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. Uh, Gunn described it as imposter syndrome as superhero. That's going to be a comedy. I guarantee it's going to be fun. And hopefully they get the casting right. I I hear that Glenn Powell is not opposed to be playing Booster Gold. That's (laughs) fun. A lot of people have been saying, you know, you know, Chris Pratt because they're good friends. I don't think it'll be Pratt. I think it'll be somebody new, younger, up and coming. Um, I think. Agreed. I think Glenn Powell would be fantastic. I also could see Glenn Powell would look so good in it. And like, yeah, he had just enough funny scenes in in Top Gun Maverick as well that I think he could pull it off. And for for listeners who are unfamiliar with Booster Gold, the best way to familiar, familiarize yourself with him is if you have HBO Max, go look up Justice League Unlimited and look up the, the episode The Greatest Story Never Told. It's completely centered around Booster Gold. The Justice League is off fighting this big villain. He wants to be involved in help in a big way. And instead, Batman tells him, you're on crowd control. Hmm. And so he's kind of sulking, being like, come on, man, I just want to show him that I'm I'm good for something. And he ends up getting drawn into this other issue that was happening while the Justice League was off fighting this other threat. He literally is dealing with something that is the fate of the world. And it's an incredible little self-contained uh, episode of Justice League Unlimited. I don't know how much longer... Justice League Unlimited is going to be on HBO Max. So if you're intrigued by this, go look up that episode as soon as you can. Uh, again, it's called The Greatest Story Never Told. I think it'll all lead eventually to like a blue and gold series. Dude, I hope so. I do too. <laughs> because so. Booster Gold is at his best when he's teamed up with Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, but but I also know that we're getting the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. We're mm-hmm. not getting the Ted Cord one. Unless... They're also going to show us a Ted Cord as like an older mentor type role, but it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But I am very excited that we're going to get a live action Booster Gold. That's something I didn't think we'd ever see. Yeah, and it's one of the first announcements, which is wild. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it makes sense though that James Gunn would announce Booster Gold. It just yes, seems yeah. like a gun kind of. Such a funny character. Yeah, but he's like this total loser in the future. And so he steals a bunch of tech and goes into the past to reinvent himself as a superhero just so, to make people like him. It's a really funny concept. It's right up James Gunn's alley. And yeah, Glenn Powell is that would be fantastic. It'd be so great. I'm looking forward to all of this. I can't wait for it to start finally rolling out. We still got to get the old stuff out there. We still got to get, you know, see the Flash movie, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and then uh, Aquaman 2, which. The whole Aquaman 2 of it all. Don't those events take place after <laughs> The Flash? It makes no sense. I don't. I got to tell you, I'm not excited at all for for what we're going to have to sit through before this comes up. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. I'm 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 a little tentative on what we're going to see with The Flash just because I mean, James Gunn has, has said like, "Oh, this this is maybe one of the greatest comic book movies I've ever seen." And it's like is this company man James Gunn saying this? Or if, if that's your honest opinion, then I'm very intrigued on what we're going to get with The Flash. Yeah. But in terms of Aquaman 2, I love Jason Momoa. I just don't really care about his Aquaman. Um, Shazam, like Fury of the Gods, like I could give two shits less. I'm going to see it. 
but I'm really not that excited about it. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it never made sense to me is the fact that in, uh, you know, like the cancellation of like, uh, of, uh, Henry Cavill and, uh, you know, in, in the, uh, Black Adam movie and like whole Black Adam thing, probably not going forward at all. It was like, that's probably, you know, that movie came and it, and it went. It's like the swan song of, you know, Dwayne Johnson in the, in the DCU. Um, but the whole thing of like, Jennifer Holland's Harcourt showing up in that movie and her being so connected to Gunn, like how that even happened. <laughs> yeah, that is curious that that character that was pretty much a invention of of guns for the Suicide Squad. Yeah. And then carried on into Peacemaker and they're like, oh, we're just going to we're just going to throw her in this also. That is curious. I hadn't really considered that before, but I I don't think we're going to see any more Black Adam stuff. Were they throwing her a bone because they knew she was going to be part of like the, you know, because they they knew that Gunn was going to be, you know, taken over. So they were like, let's put her in there. Maybe this will be insurance that he won't do anything. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Or they just didn't have to write her as big of a check as if they had brought Viola Davis in. And next to Viola Davis, she was probably the most recognizable member of that Suicide Squad. Yeah. It's like at least the administrative side of the team. It's just so weird. It's just so weird. Well, and then there's also the bit of uh, how is how does the that that little bit at the end of Peacemaker where we see some cameos, how does that play in going forward? Yeah. But maybe maybe the events of this Flash movie is what's going to take care of it all, is that some characters are going to stay afterwards. It sounds like a lot of them are going to be going. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited overall. I'm, I'm excited overall. I can't wait to see it. I'm, um, But I do have trepidation when it comes to some of these projects. Um, but it'll be interesting to, to start getting some casting announcements, some director announcements, and then and then actually start seeing some trailers on some of these things. It'll be, uh, I, I'm telling you, like if they go to San Diego Comic-Con, they're going to own San Diego Comic-Con that year. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially if they bank up some content to drop there. Yeah. They'll own it. Yeah. Like imagine like, you know, the Superman legacy trailer, and then they bring out like the cast of Batman, Brave and the Bold. And then they show us a couple, you know, you know, trailers for some of these shows that they've got coming out. And, and then, and then they bring, like, if they did the thing where, you know, they brought all the Avengers out on the, on the stage at the same time, you know, like they had, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Hemsworth, fucking you know, Jeremy Renner. And, and did they just, they, 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 Mark Ruffalo, they just bring them out all, all out on stage that, you know, at San Diego Comic Con and, uh, announce that Avengers movie, like, we see the team together for the first time. If they start doing some of these huge announcements at San Diego Comic-Con, they're just going to own San Diego Comic-Con. But uh, we'll see what happens. I- I'm excited, um, but I am nervous. <laughs> so we'll see, man. I I think I am. There's more excitement, though. Oh, same. This is the most excited I've been about DC in a very long time. And But the same as you. There's, I'm I'm. I am a little bit DC's also burned me so many times that, that I, I, there's a part of me that is still a little bit reluctant about it, but 
more very excited to see what we're going to do. Um, this is the first time that they've made announcements like this where they actually have a plan in place going forward. Um, dude, imagine it like San Diego Comic-Con if they did their, their Superman actor announcement by actually bringing him in in full costume. Mm-hmm. Bonus yeah. points if they do it on like using wire work and actually fly him in. Oh, God. Yeah. People, people would, would flip the fuck out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be incredible. All right, that is all I have. Any final thoughts? I'm excited. I'm excited for all of this, and mostly just because I'll get to be in the fandom from the ground floor. Mm. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, as soon as they start dropping some more, you know, like with that, that's just like the first part of these announcements. We're going to get more. Uh, in the uh, later months, I'm sure. So we'll be talking about those as they come out. And uh, that is all I have for this episode. I'm a little under the weather, guys, again. So thank you for bearing with me. But uh, we will have a regular episode. Um, if you're just listening to this one and not the regular episode, I wanted to let people know that next week we're not going to have a full episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. It will be we'll be returning on Tuesday uh, just for a uh, quant- uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania uh, reaction episode. I'm going to be able to see that in, on Monday, the 13th. So, you know, a full like four days earlier before it hits, a, hits theaters. I'll just let people know my reaction to the movie. And we'll come out with that episode on Tuesday. But no regular episode that week. Because you'll be getting our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania episode uh, the following uh, Monday. And um, I might drop like a Patreon episode for people to listen to, Joe. Oh, right on. To tide them over. But uh, yeah. And then the week after, then we'll return with a regular episode. But thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, check out the main episode. And until then, see ya. Later.